Well, hello there and welcome from my little cabin in Northern Ontario. It's Paige Lockton and this is the magic of horsecraft and the introduction to season three. And I'm pretty stoked. This one's been a little bit hard to get out of the birth canal. I'm uh, struggling with it a little bit as my ideas sprawl and I head in so many directions. And you know, if you know me, you know, succinct is not so much my jam. So what are we going to get into this season? Well, here's a bit of a hint. I'm thinking of calling it, let's get personal. An aging horse lover explores what it takes to make magic with horses. Any guesses who that aging horse lover might be? I'll give you three. (laughs) Yeah, you didn't need three, did you? Yeah, it's me. (laughs) It's me. I'm the problem. (laughs) And uh, maybe it wasn't a big stretch to figure that out. Uh, And this season, we'll be doing deep dives into boundaries, recovering from trauma, change, creating safety and connection, and embracing new ways of being with horses. I was also thinking of calling it tools of the trade, because I want to look at the tools that you need to make this thing happen that we want to have with horses feel more magical. So it's early in 2024 that I'm recording this, and I'm playing catch up with my life. My time since the return of horses and boarders at our farm has been immeasurably improved in ways I could never have imagined. It's also been dramatically fractured, and none of my writing is getting finished. That means I've had to make a few decisions about how to spend my time, and since website creation seems to be one of my weaknesses and working at my desk is causing me pain. I am going to hire that out and work to my strengths and joys at the intersection of horsecraft change and resilience. And rather than transcribe all of my longhand journal scribblings into edited and coherent blog posts, I'm thinking I'll read some of them out loud and send what came to me through stream of consciousness writing straight out into the ether. Yikes. Feels a bit scary. And since my Substack account allows me to publish my blog voiceovers as podcast episodes, then going forward in season three, you'll get a bit of a mix of things. And here's what you can expect. It's time to switch it up. So in between some new free, bi-weekly guest interviews that everyone is encouraged to attend, there'll be something special for paid subscribers. What was that I said about attending interviews? Yeah, 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 yeah. This is what we want to do. You can attend the recordings of my podcast conversations via Zoom and listen in to these interviews live, then stay for a Q&A session at the end. And what can paid subscribers expect? Well, in between these free events, paid subscribers will have access to those aforementioned impromptu journal readings as I struggle and strive to learn new skills. You'll follow along on my own evolution as I recover a traumatized nervous system and a body made decrepit with age, chemo, radiation, and poor living 
and I attempt to elevate my own horsecraft to a place I haven't been before while exploring liberty training and new ways to train horses. As the daughter of a veterinarian who came from a ranching family descended from two infamous frontiersmen and horsemen, Tuffy Lockton and Arthur Ty, and as an international competitor in the sport of three-day eventing, a former military test of horse-human stamina, trust, bravery, athleticism, and endurance, I've had a front-row seat and been both witness and participant in the evolution of horsecraft. My ancestor, Tuffy, earned his moniker for being the toughest of the three hard-luck abandoned Lockton boys in the cold, unforgiving hills of Alberta in 1917. He was small and stringy and surly most of the time, but you would be too if you'd lived with his pain. I think of him as the toughest little cowboy in the West. My great-grandpa Arthur was known for breeding, training, and driving ten-horse hitches in spite of a badly mangled hand. His horses were the transport trucks of their era, as they hauled immense loads of timbers when they settled the West in the late 1800s. Tough people under tough circumstances. And the people I trained with in eventing? They were military leaders, captains, colonels, majors, and cavalry officers. Now, when these people said, whoa, you fucking whoa'd, it had to be that way. Lives were on the line. Military missions were at stake. Cattle were on the loose. Huge loads could tip over. Those horses had to bloody well learn to stand tied up to something and stand still. You couldn't afford to fuck around. Now, in those days, when people said, dig in and go, or jump it, to their horses, their horses didn't pause to ask how fast or how high. They just gave her until told otherwise. And that's not to say that my horses, nor my pure horses in sport, nor my ancestors' ranch horses weren't loved and well looked after. And it's not to say that our horses didn't love some of their various jobs and the time they spent with us. Sure, there were amazing, all kinds of beautiful moments in relationships and stories. But I do wonder, could there have been more? Could our horsecraft evolve? I mean, what do you do when lives are no longer on the line? Things have changed, and not all for the better. With horsecraft no longer being passed down generation to generation and the urban sprawl crowding horses out of land and space, things have been getting weirder for horses in the horse industry. So much so that at one point, I chose to leave it rather than function complicitly in its brokenness. Adult amateur horse lovers from non-horsey families are the driving force of the equine industry. They arrive at their local barns with all of their glorious expectations of horses and magic, and none of the required understanding of the species or the foundation they need to make them a reality. As pros, we're taught training methods to desensitize our horses, to accommodate the dreams these beautiful horse-loving souls have, 
rather than sensitizing and educating them, the humans. So much of the horse world is backwards and confusing. Yet in some parts of the horse industry, things seem to be going very right. There's a new direction in horse training with others ahead of me on the path, and I, for one, do not want to be left any further behind. And what direction is that? Well, it's towards horses having voices and choices. As horse trainers embrace the same methodologies espoused by scientists and researchers and used ethically in aquariums and zoos all over the world. Now, not everyone is embracing this. People already tended to be very polarized in their various camps as Western riders or English riders or side saddle riders. Now, add the argument to move away from the methods of pressure and release we've all known for centuries in favor of these namby-pamby clicker training and treat training methods. And the arguments over conflicting methodologies have become deafening. With so much noise, who do you listen to? Well, proof, as they say, is in the pudding. So I think it's time for me to roll up my sleeves and cook up a little magic and put theories to the test as I learn these new tricks myself. I aim to be a voice of reason in the noise. Someone who unites horse lovers in a safe space to learn, grow, share, and evolve, and to continue documenting my own learning journey. As an aging horse lover whose body's returning from decrepitude and who owes an unpayable debt to the horses who give their hearts and souls so I could have wings, I have a lot of skin in this game. And if you're listening, chances are you do too. And that is why I created this podcast. To speak out into the void, you are not alone. If you followed from the beginning, you'll know why it's my mission to explore the ingredients needed to make magic with horses some life. And it's precisely because I've needed it. <laughs> As I explore getting my groove back post-cancer, at a little over the halfway mark to 100 years old, I'll talk to industry leaders, do the work, and share the elements that I find we all need to make magic with horses. So far, this is what I've found. First, we need to understand their nature as a prey species on a deep and visceral level and accommodate their needs with species-appropriate expectations and environments. What the heck does that look like? Well, that's what my father and I have put together in our course, Horsecraft 101. We're calling it From Amateur to Magician, Making Magic with Horses. And secondly, what's the other thing you need to make magic with horses? Well, we all need to be able to provide our horses with a sense of safety and connection by regulating our nervous systems and theirs, and to communicate with them like they do through their energy fields, their instincts, and their nervous systems. It turns out those who make magic with horses have supernatural self-regulation capabilities and operate from a nervous system state that allows them to connect to their instincts and timing. They're also fully present and aware of the minutiae in their bodies and they're honest in their body language. It always matches 
with their horses feel and witness. Thankfully, it also turns out that nervous system regulation is a learnable skill which gives you access to the rest. It's like the keys to the kingdom. I'm exploring this through my second course, Heart Math for Horse Lovers. I'm currently using my Heart Math practitioner and EAL skills to introduce these concepts to riders, young and old, in a beta program in my own backyard. I can't tell you what an absolute delight it is to spend time with some of the most extraordinary, resilient, open-hearted humans and their horses right here in my home. Now, if this resonates with you and you live far away, reach out. I also work with people via the, via the magic of the internet. Now, the third thing we need to make magic with horses has to do with our physicality, how we are in our bodies. How do we absorb the movement of a horse's spine up through our own? How do we maximize our own balance, fitness, flexibility, and soundness to do the things we want to do with our horses? Well, I'm in the middle of this one myself, <laughs> and I'm documenting the journey as I go. So expect to hear from industry leaders in the most effective modalities for healing, balancing, and aligning our bodies so our souls can connect in peace with our horses. The fourth thing worth examining if we want to make magic with horses is how they learn and how our current widely acceptance accepted horsemanship methods might evolve. What if we re-examined the power over dynamic that the pressure and release contract is made under? It's the same as master-servant or victim-oppressor, if you look at it. So what if we question the models our old horsecraft was built on? What if we redefined what leadership and respect look like? And we embrace choice, liberty training, clicker training, and the same methods successfully used by zoo trainers, endorsed by science, and tested by a few innovative horse training pioneers. Who wants to meet some of these pioneers on my podcast? Hey, better yet, who wants to be one? You can follow me on my socials and on this podcast as I capture my journey for a documentary in the making, examining the evolution of horsecraft and return to riding from a whole new angle, away from an attitude of what can you do for me towards how can I serve you? In season three, we continue to explore these themes and develop the tools we all need to make magic with our horses and incidentally, our lives. These are the things that will bring your horsecraft from the mechanical and mundane to the mystical. It's a series for horse lovers who, will de- who are dealing with the uncertainties and decrepitudes that come with age, infirmity, and previous trauma and conditioning that can make accessing the magic challenging. Our plans include talking to experts in trauma and boundaries and to body workers who do something called structural integration or wolfing. We're going to speak to saddlery and equipment experts and look at how saddlery and sport have evolved and how the right equipment and props can help us. And we'll speak to riders who have had to adapt after catastrophic accidents. So where do we start? Well, we are starting on Tuesday, 
January 16th for my very first of these bi-weekly interviews. So join me for the first bi-weekly interview of 2024 with Carmen Theobald, January 16th at 7 p.m. And I'm calling Carmen Theobald the queen of boundaries. (laughs) You can find out more why I gave her this moniker. I'm starting the season off with her once again. She started off season one. And this time, delving into a tricky area all about boundaries. We'll examine the importance of setting mutually respectful boundaries with 1,200-pound flight animals. This episode will cover the complexities of navigating safe, respectful boundaries under the paradigm of the pressure-and-release world from a trauma-informed lens. What the heck does that even mean? Well, it means that many open-hearted horse lovers who are attracted to positive reinforcement training and who are giving their horses a voice and a choice can run into trouble and create monsters. But it doesn't mean that the process isn't worth doing. (laughs) This seems to happen particularly if we've had our own boundaries grossly transgressed and we don't understand how to respond to microaggressions and macroaggressions or set and defend our own boundaries with 100% conviction of our worth. So, how do we enforce our boundaries without violence? How do we resolve this as we embrace new ways? Listen and find out. The magic is in the boundaries. So, under the boundaries category, we'll look at how trauma informs them. If you're someone who's had their boundaries transgressed, what can that show up as with horses? We'll look at the difference between microaggressions and macroaggressions, and how the smallest of things that were once ignored and acceptable under a new lens may need some rethinking. We'll look at how to reestablish healthier boundaries, and we'll look at what mutual respect looks like and what it feels like in our body. You can learn more about Carmen in the following days and on my socials and follow the link below. And then you can join me for my second bi-weekly interview of 2024 on January 31st at 7 p.m. It's Rolfing for Horses and Humans and how to maximize your horse-human potential with Saxon Alexandra and Kayla Ann McGowan. And they are structural integrationists. So what the heck is rolfing or structural integration? And how can it help me and my horse? Well, that's what you'll find out when you tune in. (laughs) And you'll find out why structural integration was the most effective healing modality that enabled me to access the hidden magic inside of two trauma-riddled beings. Me and a little mare called Speed Axel. And you'll find out why I think it could be what you need to connect with your body, your horse, and your potential for magic between you, no matter what that looks like for you. Join us for a candid podcast interview with two spectacular humans, Kayla Ann and Saxon, who work together to make the most of your horse-human potential as a team. Stay for a chance to ask your questions in a Q&A session that follows. And you can find out what fascia is and why you should care 
how past injuries and trauma stored in our bodies affect our movement patterns, and how these inhibit our potential for fluid movement, balance, flexibility, and connection with ourselves and our horses. You can hear how Saxon's journey into structural integration changed their experience with trauma. In their own words, they said, I've made it my mission this winter to spread structural integration to as many horses and humans as possible. I'd love to talk about my journey into and out of the academic biochemistry world, my journey through my non-binary gender in the gendered world of horses, and how horses have helped me through my mental health struggles. Thank you for all you do. Your words and your shows make me feel a little less alone. Saxon Alexandra. So amazing that uh, I met Saxon on my great adventure in 2022. Um, I met them in uh, Aiken and I'm really glad that we connected and that they reached out to do this with me. You can learn more about them and Kayla Ann uh, in the links below. And you can uh, ask all the questions that come to mind in this great opportunity. The next up after these first two of our bi-weekly interviews that you can join is yet to be scheduled, but it will be with Master Saddler Christian Lowe on the evolution of the equipment alongside the world of horsecraft and what we can do to maximize our horse's comfort and minimize the inevitable pressure that comes from wearing a treed saddle. And we can find out in the world of sport how these saddles over the years have improved for horses and the adult amateur riders who drive the industry. Because I think they're making it a lot easier than they used to back in the old days of those flat, hard, slippery pieces of leather. <laughs> And the rest of the podcast series will unfold with conversations with people who have had to adapt and use props or change how they used horses or related to horses after catastrophic injuries. And those ones will unfold through the season as we go. So join me, please, as I learn, grow and evolve my horse craft to the best of my ability. And I hope that uh, you will enjoy it. Remember that anything is possible. And until we meet, take a chance. <laughs>